Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to SEC Football and Beyond for this Monday, April 27th. Put the draft behind me. Uh, it has been a long uh, several months, and uh, certainly we hope that you've enjoyed all the pre-draft process. And um, It's been a, I guess, a godsend for fans in the sports world as it's given them something to look forward to. And uh, hopefully everybody had a chance to, well, watch it, follow it, whatever you, how you partake into the draft. It's maybe given some folks uh, a chance to take their mind off of things. But we're going to spend some time this week in kind of a recap mode. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk on the conference show um, about – how each conference did, the numbers, kind of the overall look personnel, and then specifically spent a little time on uh, the players who exactly went, kind of a reminder, and maybe some of the fits for them. Um, we're going to kind of go through some of that. There's uh, not a lot of information uh, regarding uh, outside of the draft world. We're certainly going to leave that uh, over at LandryFootball.com for our notebooks, just the minutia of what's going on. A few innocuous um, commitments. They're all important, you know, but we're going to spend a little bit of time this week recapping each and every conference and each and every reason, uh, region in the draft. And then, you know, people will say, well, what are you going to do then after that? We're, we're certainly going to kind of take a look at things we're going to get really busy um, and focused a lot on recruiting in 2021. And, yes, the commitments and things, that news will depend upon just the cycle of level of commitments, the amount of them. We're going to start talking about a lot of players. You know, players that have already committed, giving you a scouting report on them, but certainly going to uh, give you a breakdown, and we're going to do some things on LandryFootball.com that – are going to be from a recruiting standpoint, a recruiting board, and just like a draft board, um, what we try to do here and what we try to do more importantly at LandryFootball.com is to create an environment where you can begin to start to see and understand um, the player personnel aspect of football. Understand what are the skill sets, the characteristics that you look for, and, and, and specifically the players that are coming up, players that are going to be going into college. You can begin to know them by state. Maybe you live in a certain state. You get to know the players and know who they are. See where they go. 
college. Who makes it and who doesn't make it? And, of course, all of that over time, if you're a member of LandryFootball.com, if you think about it, we take you through all of that. Okay, so you know who the players are coming into college. Then you can see some of them, you'll read about. They transfer. They quit football. They, you know, what? and obviously a lot of them will grow and develop. And you can learn about, as I do all the time in our notebooks every day, and we hit on some of it in these podcasts, hey, look out for this guy. I mean, I, you do that throughout their college career. And they get better and better. And then those are guys that three, four years from now we talk about in the draft. And if you follow us and you become a part of it, you learn it by osmosis that, yeah, boy, I can remember when Chris was talking about him. Boom. I mean, I I tell stories all along about, you know, guys that, you know, were coming up, intriguing guys, and now they're in the NFL for a long time. And then, you know, so you you sit there and and listen, (coughs) pardon me, and get a feel for these guys all through – the entering college process before they enter college. Then learn more about how they're doing it as they progress through college. Then learn how they project to the NFL. Then learn whether they make it or not. Um, <coughs> pardon me. How they do once they get in the NFL. And so now you get a really good feel for that. And that's that, of course, obviously, and we provide that to you in our daily work throughout LandryFootball.com. But we also have, um, you know, the, the, the minutiae of all the details. The, the film room breakdowns of the games during the college season and the recaps and all of that. So that's just kind of the, <clears throat> from, you know, um, one end of the spectrum to the other to try to get you involved. So, anyway, that's why you want to get a member of LandryFootball.com scouting season offer, which it's not over, scouting season. It's what? Still got a lot of recruiting, still got a lot of draft recaps, still some little uh, second wave of free agency, still got a lot of stuff going on. Still don't know where we are with OTAs and facilities being opened up. We'll get to that at the appropriate time. But there's a lot of information, um, huge amount of information. And this is where you, you know, we've talked about the draft. Now you can get the recaps and the evaluation, got um, the breakdown of player by player uh, in detail for each player that was drafted or signed by an NFL team and what their chances are, why they were drafted, what the thought process was, uh, how it might play out, good or bad. We've got all that for you. But we're going to have roster analysis on the college and NFL games. So this will get you prepared. As I like to say, if you're going to enjoy the season and if you're going to be prepared for the football season, now's the time you really need to – it's past time. You should have done it prior to the draft. But now you can go back, join, and catch up. Go back and look at the draft boards, look at the free agent boards, and then begin to study uh, through the summer – and get ready for the football season, which we're going to have some semblance of a season somehow, some way. So uh, it's a great time to get involved. Take advantage of the scouting season offer today. want to <clears throat> thank the good friends at 401K Generation for bringing you this podcast each and every day. 
Uh, and again, they will also, in addition to bringing you this college show, of course, the NFL show, we're going to take uh, probably more time to go through the draft because we're going to break down at least this week a lot of different aspects. But we're also going to be breaking down team by team. We may take a division today. We're going to get through it to where we're going to talk to you in detail about each team's draft, as well as the latest information that's going on around the league and <clears throat> what maybe coaches are thinking and what um, they're saying with regard to their players. And some of the con- they're not going to have mini camps here this coming weekend like we normally do, but uh, there's going to have some of the virtual teaching and whatnot. And we'll certainly keep you up to date on all of that. So uh, we want to thank 401k Generation and uh, Eddie Rojas for being part of our family and bringing you this podcast, the college podcast each and every day, as well as uh, the NFL podcast. So make sure that you sign up for it at Landry Football's conference call. That'll get you this podcast as well as the pro podcast each and every day. And what does 401k generation get you? The best money management investment advice you can ever have to prepare to reach your financial goals, to give you the best insight into what's the best way to go about it from your end. What fits you? It's not one size fits all. Uh, it's making sure that, like getting a medical checkup, you can get a financial checkup today. So get in touch with Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation today. How do you do that? You can either call at 1-866-998-5879. You can text at that same number, 1-866-998-5879. You can also learn a little bit more about them by going to LandryFootball.com and click on the left side, 401k Generation. Learn more about what they do. They're licensed in all 50 states. You can send them a note there. So check them out, 401k Generation. And if you have a podcast, or excuse me, if you have a if you have a podcast, let me know. I want to listen to it. If you have a business that you'd like to promote, uh, contact us at LandryFootball.com, and uh, we can uh, – Figure out a way to help you. We can absolutely brand you and uh, help you with your business. So contact us at LandryFootball.com. And it's also where you want to go um, if you got a question. Like Nick has one. <clears throat> we answered it on one of last week's show. But I want to answer it again because he specifically asked it for the SEC show. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Um a little bit, not too long from now. We're not going to be that long today. Um, we're going to try to make – I keep saying this, and I fail every time. I want to try to make these podcasts a little tighter, you know, a little crisper. I mean, ideally, you know, 15, 20 minutes, kind of wrap it up. There's The information is going to determine that. The detail of analysis, I tend to be a little bit too thorough and maybe go on too much. But, again, i got to work on that. But uh, if you've got a question, go ahead and send it to me at uh, contactchris at LandryFootball.com. So how did the SEC do? Well, you know, as we said going in, they were the most first-round grades. They were the most players on the draftable board, and it would turn out they would have the most players drafted overall. The SEC led the way with 63. The Big Ten had 48. 
The ACC had 27. The Big uh, 12 had 21. The Pac-12 had 32. So, um, give credit, Pac-12 had was in the third category for players, which is not surprising at all. Pretty much how we had it. The ACC, um, then the Big 12. So, SEC, Big 10, Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12. Now, you got to know that, in fairness to the Big 12, um, they have a couple of less teams. Um, and, you know, the conference top to bottom is very good, but not, not as good. Pac-12's got more teams. The ACC's, you know, not – I would say that the ACC's probably underachieving more than anybody because outside of Clemson, you're not seeing uh, Florida and Florida State doing what they should be doing and capable of doing. Um, and the rest of the schools are not doing a great job, but they're not underachieving to a great deal. It's just that they are um, – they're, they're not um, – they're not helping the cause, but they're not hurting as much as Miami and Florida State, the cause. Now, outside of the Power Five, the American Athletic had 17. So it's funny how that, that, that kind of works, and, and that gets uh, – so that w- they would be ranked six. Um, then let's see, you've got the Conference, Conference USA and Mountain West um, – Tied for seventh with ten, and then you've got the, the Sun Belt Conference with eight, and then you've got uh, Independence. Obviously, it was kind of in a unique category with seven, and then you've got uh, the MAC, the Mid American Conference, with three players drafted. Um, you've got. Missouri Valley with with two. You've got uh, South Atlantic Pioneer League, the Ohio Valley, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. That's Ben Barch, Mid American Intercollegiate Conference, not the Mid American Conference. Oh, and the Colonial had two. So now let me say this: I do think that. Uh, also, this is interesting too. Underclassmen, the SEC at twenty six. Big 12, 16. Um, there was a few le- – it pretty normal in terms of how it went in the G5 leagues, smaller leagues, but uh, lower than G5. I do think that it may be affected a little bit in some of the later round guys <clears throat> not having these workouts, these pro days may have affected a little bit, not drastically changed the numbers, but – Affected a little bit. So if you look at the teams, um, Alabama had nine. Arkansas had two. Auburn had six players drafted. Florida, seven. Georgia, seven. Kentucky, two. LSU, 14, leading the way. Mississippi State, five. Missouri, two. South Carolina, four. Tennessee, two. Texas A&M, two. Vanderbilt, one. It's a little bit surprising because there were a couple of more. thought they would have three. Uh, 
So that's your 63 total inside the league. Um, We say it all the time. It's not to pump up the SEC. Those of you that listen to this podcast, hopefully you don't listen just because you're an SEC fan, but you're a college football fan, and you want to contextualize and and see how things fit into the big picture. I'm a big picture guy, but I'm also into the minutia as to why. We talk about it all the time, not to brag on the SEC. The SEC just is better in terms of football. Better how? Well, they're better every way. And you remember, when you've got to break things down, you have to break them down. It's literally take it to the next level and answer why. They have <clears throat> the most football players. Why? Well, a few reasons. One, um, they geographically, from the quarter from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky. There's just a whole bunch of players in that region that are all states that interconnect, connect to one another. They border one another. Um, Now you throw in, and it's not like, there's a lot of players that the SEC is into here, but you can take a Missouri and Arkansas and kind of, you know, not a more players in the East St. Louis area and all that's a little bit still a little more Big Ten-ish. But because there are a lot of players and the, they get a lot of players and the teams are so good, now it becomes the it conference and the it place to go. <clears throat> So to the victor goes the spoils. I mean, players want to go there. It's the best league. It's so now, if you're in California, if you're in Ohio, you're you know it's it's intriguing to consider going to the SEC. And so it's a national. You you can go out and cherry pick players around the country, go into New Jersey or Maryland or wherever, and get them because it's the it place. Well, how did they get the it place? Well, you got good players, and then. You've got, with the success, you've got resources, facilities that are the best. They spend the most money on coaches and coaching staff, support staff. So when players go there, they see the emphasis on football. See, that's the thing that probably more than anything else fans miss. Fans go to games. Fans know what the stadium facilities are. Some fans might even have the opportunity to go into the football facilities of their local school. Maybe occasionally when visiting, they they get a tour and see something somewhere else. But for the most part, they're not able to see all the different nooks and crannies of a football facility and what it has to offer. And there is a tremendous difference takes place at the SEC in terms of the facilities. Facilities are bigger and better than NFL facilities because they've got a lot more players. And 
you are trying to sell in recruiting. So a player comes at a place like that and, and, and sees the emphasis on it, the importance of it, <clears throat> how you can be big man on campus, and how you've got the best of the training rooms and the weight rooms and the nutrition centers and, you know, where you sleep is nice and, you know, where, where you live is going to be nice. And, and, and then for the parents, too, that, that where they live is important – and to see what the academic center is and what they do and how it's going to help. Um, you know, you can talk about it, the football factory. It's a really good place for someone that maybe has marginal ability to do schoolwork. They get helped a great deal to learn how to listen, to learn how to take notes, to learn how to study to learn how to understand information, and to find something that they can get excited about for a career beyond football. And there's a lot of people, a lot of staff that's involved in academic center that really helps to guide players in that area. Oh, there's a, there's a big conception. I think it's because people, it's, a, it's a, maybe a jealousy that people think that, well, all players are dumb. Most of them are dumb. They can't learn. They didn't have football. They wouldn't have ever anything, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's not true. Some of them are. That's not applicable to the masses. A lot of people have a lot of things going for them. They just need direction, and you get that. So I'm, I'm mentioning this. That this is We have a look, and there's every year. There's an assessment, even though we tell you it's going to happen this way. There's an assessment that, well, the SEC is far and way ahead. They are. The Big Ten is the the next closest, but they have that. They have. How do they do that? Well, it's success breeds success. It's like anything else, doesn't doesn't it? Football is more important in the South. You have a little bit more of the sugar daddy effect that puts money in the program. That kind of that what I call put seed money into the program, then you go out, you go out and build it, you become really good, you have the most money from a TV contract, you have the most money from the gate, the the stadiums are the largest, and the gate's the biggest, and the amount of sales for the, the merchandising are the biggest, the concessions are the biggest, that's why people say, oh, the SEC plays a bunch of weak teams. They play a bunch of weak teams because they get a home game. That means a hell of a lot more in terms of money than any other place. You got 100,000 people that are going to show up to play Little Sisters or the Poor. That one game is going to support a couple of sports on campus just one game alone. Just the revenue off of that. So that's why they do it. It's so different than pro sports from a business model standpoint. Um, The Big Ten is the second best in terms of that. They have a big television contract, make money, obviously a lot of successful programs. And they do a really nice job. I think the ACC has some potential. 
I think Florida State and Miami have got to figure things out. I think Mac's doing a good job at North Carolina, and I think there's some burgeoning programs that if they do it correctly and emphasize it correctly, and I know it's a basketball school, but if they can leverage success in basketball and increase their profile as a football school, meaning there's money now that it's going to start to come in with the ACC network, which is tied to ESPN. It's not going to be to the SEC level. It's not going to be – you're not going to have a major network like CBS, or right now it's CBS that has the SEC network. Well, we're going to see that ESPN is probably – ESPN ABC is going to get that new contract, which is still a couple of years away. I think, what, three years away, two, three years away. That's They're not going to get that type of money. But they, they can maybe enter the area where they have not been before, where they can improve their level of a program. Um, the Big 12 is kind of stuck because it's Texas and everybody else. Oklahoma does a nice job. I, I you know, they, they're, they're, you know, they're a little bit stubborn because Texas doesn't, doesn't see themselves as just the head of the Big 12, but they see themselves as the only relevant thing. Now, when their television contract with the Longhorn Network comes up, be interesting to see how that plays out. They'll have something in place. I don't think they're going to get the type of money that they got from ESPN to do it, but they're, they're going to get something in place. You wish they would do a little bit more in the league. Um, the Pac-12 concerns me, but the Pac-12 has potential. You know, the Big 12 worries me. It's it's not the Pac-12 has the least amount of revenue, of, certainly compared to the bigger programs. Now, the the big not not that much less than the Big 12, but the Pac-12 does well in the Pac-12 network, but it has the potential to do better. So they have a network. I'm not an expert on TV, but I think that they can create more revenue. And if they do that, they've got an opportunity to be in a position to where they can create more revenue um, and maybe more competitive. Because facility-wise, they're way behind. Getting better, but still way behind. Let's take a look at some of the the moves that were made. Uh, so for Alabama, Roquan Davis going to Miami. In the second round, Trevon Diggs, Dallas in the second round, Anthony Jennings in the third round, Jerry Judy was in the first round to Denver, Trell Lewis uh, in the third round, um, Xavier McKinney with the Giants, Henry Ruggs, first round, Tua, and Tredrick Wells. So they had four guys in the first round, three guys in the second round, couple of guys in the third round. It was not the uh, later round guys, but obviously the key guys there were Tua and the receivers in the first round. But Roquan Davis and Trayvon Diggs, really good value. Anthony Jennings is going to help out New England a lot. And Lewis gives some edge rush ability for the Rams. Um, Arkansas. Cameron Carroll and uh, McKelvin um, Aikam thought Aikam would be mid-round pick, third round, good for him, opportunity in Denver. Curl 
Nice pick for the Redskins late. Auburn, Derek Brown, love me some Derek Brown. Uh, really love him in run defense, and I think Carolina's got a really good player. And obviously, I thought Igobini of um, going to Miami. Press corner, a little high for me. Um, doesn't have really good instincts. Got some concerns about him that high. I thought that was one of the reaches that Miami had. But certainly a guy that can run and play press coverage. Marlon Davidson's got some versatility on the defensive line. Uh, Jack Driscoll I thought was really good value for the Eagles. I think can be a solid tackle, probably more right tackle. Daniel Thomas in the fifth. Prince Degawanago in the sixth round, really good value um, for um, for the Eagles. The Eagles obviously did a very good job in understanding value in understanding and evaluating Jack Dris- the Auburn players, Jack Driscoll and Prince Tegawanago, uh did a good job of evaluating them. So good good job there getting good value. Florida, Tyree Cleveland is drafted in the seventh round. Let's go to the first one. C.J. Henderson going to Jacksonville. A little bit high for me, but I can cover in the slot and cover outside. Um, certainly love the player. Certainly love him. Um, Van Jefferson, second round, good value there um, for the Rams. Just outstanding. Um, Jabari Zaninga, I think he's got a lot of upside with the Jets, third round. Jonathan Grenard, Houston, can play outside backer in their scheme. Rush with his – from a uh, – Two-point stance, three-point stance, and nickel. LaMichael Perrine, as I've said, there's nothing special athletically about LaMichael. He's just a tough, hard-nosed football player, tough nut. Uh, Freddie Swain, pretty good value on the sixth round. Don't know if he'll make it, but good for him. And Tyree Cleveland on the seventh round. So good. Um, Not what I think it can be at Florida, but they still have really good talent. Anybody that thinks otherwise are crazy. Still very good. Georgia, obviously Andrew Thomas going very high to the Giants. Plug-and-play tackle. Isaiah Wilson, Titans think he can be a really good right tackle. Think he may end up being a guard. We'll see either way. Good run blocker. Gap blocking lineman. That's going to be really good for them. A little high for me, but a little high for certainly some folks, but really good fit for them. DeAndre Swift's great value for the Lions in the second round. No doubt about that. Um, uh, Solomon Kinsley, um, decent value in the fourth round for Miami. A lot of talk about Jake Fromm. You know, Jake's got real limitations physically, but certainly on the fifth round is good value. Ironically, a completely different type of player than Josh Allen, a quarterback. Uh, then you've got Charlie Werner, thought was a good value <clears throat> for the Niners in the sixth round, and then Tate Crowder, the Giants in the seventh. Kentucky had Lynn Bolden go to the Raiders. Logan Sternberg in the third round. Logan Sternberg go to the Lions. Like that pick in the fourth round for the Lions. Think he can help them. Um, LSU just loaded. Started the first round with Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Ended the first round. With Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Kansas City. A little bit of a surprise. DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins are better backs 
that can also catch the ball out of the backfield. If I'm Kansas City, I would have gone in that direction at the end of the first round personally. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to do a great job. But those two backs are better <clears throat> and and I do think would have been better. Look, you're talking about three guys that fit like a glove. Of those three, the difference is while all three can catch the ball out of the backfield, um, Swift has got a little bit more dynamics in terms of a runner, and he can do a better job of salting away games. You got a lead, want to run the football a little bit more, want to put it more in the hands of a back, that's more Swift, that's more Dobbins than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Although, Clyde Edwards can do that as well. Not as good. Caleb on Chason, hit or miss guy, can be a good edge rusher. Best football's ahead of him. Is he an underachiever? We'll see. Justin Jefferson, really good value for Minnesota. I know Coach Kubiak thought he was the best receiver in this draft. Really effective out of the slot. Patrick Queen, I think, is a good fit for Baltimore. Um, Grant Delpit's good value for Cleveland in the second round. Rangy, not words as productive, mainly due to injuries. Uh, this past year. Christian Fulton's good value for Tennessee, good coverability. Third round, Lloyd Cushenberry. Denver, uh, adequate value, a little high. I mean, he, he's, I think, is a really good run blocker. Damian Lewis, Seattle's a really good fit, probably a little high. Jacob Phillips is an underneath defender, but more run defender, good range. Going to be limited in coverage. Rashad Lawrence, good value for the Cardinals in the fourth round. Um, Sequi Charles, I forgot him, with the Redskins in the fourth round. They all, the Redskins also signed Thaddeus Moss as an undrafted free agent. we got all the free agent listings up on LandryFootball.com. Stephen Sullivan with the Seahawks as well. Mississippi State got... Uh, uh, a couple of third-rounders. Cameron Dancer, who I like, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the league. Physical, aggressive corner, I think it's good value for Minnesota. Tyree Phillips with the Ravens. Pretty solid pickup there. Willie Gay, forgot him, in the second round of Kansas City. Like his edge rush ability. Tommy Stevens is really interesting. I'm not quite sure I'm feeling that with the Saints, but certainly it's a good opportunity for him. And Brian Cole, seventh round of Minnesota. For Missouri, not a, not a great year. Albert O going in the fourth round, good value there, can run. Not very productive this past year due to the quarterback situation. And I think Jordan Elliott on the third round, two good players that have, well, I think they both will make a team, make their teams. For South Carolina, T.J. Brunson in the seventh round finished things up. But Javon Kinlaw, I thought, was maybe one of the best values in this draft in the first round for San Francisco. Brian Edwards, third round, good value. D.J. Warnham, fourth round. T.J. Brunson, seventh round. Tennessee got um, Daryl Taylor in the second round. A lot of people liked his edge rush potential and moved up a little bit. Thought he was more third-round value, but I get it. If you're going to get him, and particularly if you're Seattle, pouncing on him at 48, maybe a tad high, but they think a little bit differently there, and I think he'll have an impact for them. Jawan Jennings in the seventh round can be a real steal for that Niner team and can really help them. 
Texas A&M only got two guys. Love Justin Matabuke, the defensive tackle for the Ravens now, third round. And Brandon Mant, love him as a punter. Um, old Quincy got picked up by the Cowboys. Thought they'd be another guy or two drafted by A&M. But uh, two guys. And then Vanderbilt with one. Keyshawn Vaughn. Gerard Pinckney was signed as an undrafted free agent. And Kalaja Lidscombe at well. But Keyshawn Vaughn, third round. A little bit high for me with Tampa. But like his all-around ability, I think he can be a solid backup in the league. <clears throat> so, look, we're going to get into more and more of the fits. More and more how, um, you know, it's it's tough to figure out how to – there's so much that goes on in a weekend. You at least want to kind of give over an overview. And then we'll get into some more minutiae. We'll also get into more uh, going forward discussions about kind of some of these guys are doing, but obviously focusing on other things in college. And listen, I always invite you to ask a question, go to contact Chris, but also if there's some things that specifically as a fan that you'd like to See on LandryFootball.com or here on this podcast with relation to this pod, podcast or the NFL podcast, send, send me a question over. Hey, you know, that's a good feature. We'll get into that. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. But wanted to spend a little time going to some overview of the league. The strength of the league is so good, and I gave you some comparisons with the other leagues. Um, also, let's just give some credit to some folks in – other conferences that I thought did a really nice job within the region. So Central Florida, fourth-round pick, just one guy, Gabriel Davis. Memphis had three guys, Antonio Gibson, really good player, and then two seventh-rounders, uh, Chris Claybooks and Dustin Woodard. Um, Tulane, really impressed. Congratulations to Darnell Moody, one of my – Mooney, my real sleeper with the Bears. Um, the Carrius Keys, great job. I thought he'd be an undrafted free agent, seventh-round pick in the secondary for the Chiefs. Um, let's see in the region what else I wanted to mention. Um, schools that – Conference USA, Harrison Bryant, Florida Atlantic, the tight end. Florida International, James Morgan, the quarterback, and um, – Stanley um, Thomas Oliver in the secondary for the the uh, Panthers in the seventh round. Uh, Louisiana Tech, Amick Robinson, um, fourth-round pick of the Raiders. Ladarius, uh, Ladarius Sneet, fourth-round pick of the Chiefs. Um, Southern Miss, Quez Watkins, sixth-round pick of the Eagles. Congrats to them. Um and let's see what else. Um, Conference USA. We can get to Conference USA. Some thoughts there. Uh, missed the Sunbelt. We've already got Conference USA. Sunbelt is what I meant. Um, Georgia Southern. Kendall Vider. I think uh, undervalued player in the fifth round. Going to the Bears. The corner. Tyler Bass. Good kicker. Good leg. Going to the Bills. Louisiana Lafayette, congrats to them. Three players from ULL. Kevin Dotson, fourth-round pick of the Steelers. Robert Hunt, second-round pick of the Dolphins. And Raymond Calais, seventh-round pick of the Bucks. 
So some look around the region, around the south, uh, around the SEC-ish we wanted to get to. Um, wrap up the show today with the question from Nick. What major differences do coaches who move from the NFL level to the college level face when they take a job at a college program? Now, the biggest difference, and I answered this uh, last week on another podcast, but I want to make sure that we got it and Nick got the, his answer and make sure the people in this podcast uh, get a chance to listen to it. Uh, the biggest difference is recruiting. Um, you've got a limited 20-hour work week with, with players as well, so the development is a little bit more challenging. They're younger. They're students. You only got 20 hours a week with them um, in, a, in a normal process. This is abnormal times, of course. But recruiting is the biggest difference. You've got to go out. You've got to recruit them. And, look, if you're at a certain program, if you're at Tulane, you're selling a different program, a completely different program than LSU. Um, you're at a um, Vanderbilt. you got a different level of program than Tennessee. Or if you're at you know Kentucky, it's a whole lot different than Georgia. So what you're selling is different. You've got unique things that you have to sell, but there, there's haves and have-nots. College football is more chalky than any other sport. Um, basically, you, you've got a, a glass ceiling at most places, and there are very few programs that are really capable of competing on a national level to win it. Now, is if we open up the playoffs and we eventually expand, you're going to have more people around the country make it. But, you know, it's like certain programs – will be exposed as, well, you're good enough to win your league, but you're not good enough to compete for a national title unless you make some modifications and you can create some revenue streams that you don't have to this point. But there's certainly, that's the biggest adjustment, recruiting in a different level. Whereas when you're in the NFL, you've pretty much got an even stance. The talent level is more evenly dispersed. Um, it's I think you've got, some edges in terms of schematics in the NFL going to college. But if you don't recruit well and you are not able to utilize and do all the things that you'd like to do because you don't have as much time, that's the biggest adjustment for coaches moving from NFL to college. And when hiring a new coach, is it better to go with a successful group of five head coach or a successful power five coordinator? Depends. You got to hire the best coach who can handle the job. That um, that differs from opening to opening, pure and simple. Differs from opening to opening. I mean, you can't sit there and say that that the coordinator here. It 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 does depend. It's not about in a generic sense. You you're not. It's kind of like evaluating a player. Do I rather have a player from a big time school? Or a small-time school. Well, a big-time school has done it at a bigger-time level. So you like that. But very often, a player at a smaller college level ends up being a better pro. It's about the transferable skills for a player, and it's about the transferable skills for a coach. And that could come from different packages. It could come from different looks. It can come from different regions. It can come from different positions on the staff. Certainly someone that has proven himself at the G5 level and has taken a program and shown that he can do it, 
is much more, you would think, in better position to take over a different program. So you'd like a Mike Norvell and the job that he did at Memphis going over to Florida State. But I also loved Justin Fuente, who did the same thing at Memphis going to Virginia Tech. And that hadn't worked out all that well. Then you take a coordinator like a Bob Stoops, goes from a coordinator at Florida and goes to Oklahoma and is great. You take other coaches that go from being a hot shot coordinator to being a head coach and they're not real good. So they're success stories and failure stories on both sides in both areas. So there's, you know, I can't say I would hire, you know, a standing head coach or a coordinator. You know, on a specific job, I can tell you I'd hire this guy over that guy. Not not just throw them all in a lump and say, well, every coordinator is this, every proven head coach is that. Obviously, if you've been a head coach and you're successful and you think, well, you go to the next level with more resources, you can be better. Well, it depends. You may have more resources, but you're going into a place where everybody's got more resources. So how does this work? Like, for example, Mike Norvell again. I think he'll do a good job at Florida State. Is he going to challenge Clemson? Not going to challenge Clemson until Florida State starts to look like Clemson. Till they start to have facilities that look like Clemson. If they don't get there, probably not going to have the success that Clemson has unless Clemson starts to come back to the pack. It's just the way it is. It's the way of the world. Um, so it does depend. If you if all else is equal, yeah, you'd like someone that's proven it, that maybe has been a coordinator at a bigger-time program, then goes somewhere else. Kirby Smart went home to Georgia. Georgia has hired a first-time head coach for every football coach that they've hired except for Jim Donnan. Had success. Mainly Vince Dooley and now with Kirby Smart. Will Muschamp, a lot of similar qualities that Kirby has, not been as successful. You know, underachieved at Florida, a lot of resources, didn't do a great job, didn't do an awful job, didn't didn't do a great job there. South Carolina, I, I don't, you know, I don't think you win at South Carolina like you win at Georgia. You You don't have that. I don't think, though, that Will would be as good as Kirby is has been at Georgia. I think there's a little bit of a difference between the two, even though there's similarity. So, look, you can find them in both places, but it depends situation to situation. I would say that the most experience that you have is the strongest indicator of how good you can be. Look at Jim Harbaugh. Is Jim, Bar- Jim Harbaugh successful or a disappointment? Because all I know, he was did a great job at Stanford where the expectations weren't real high, and he did a phenomenal job. Prior to that, he was a head coach at San Diego, University of San Diego, not San Diego State. Then he moves on to the NFL, has success there. Goes to Michigan, and he's had success at Michigan. Just not close to where competing with Ohio State. Some people think it's a disappointment. Now, name me a more slam dunk, more proven guy 
with not only ties to the schools, which is just an extra, you know, topping on the Sunday, the nuts and bolts, bolts it, it hadn't worked quite as well. You know, it looks like Ryan Day may be every bit as good a fit and good of a coach, good a recruiter. Ohio State has got kind of an elite thing going, and the programs are different in college. And so I think it's important to understand who you are, what you can do, and the guy that fits that. The NFL is a little bit more everybody's trying to do the same thing, and the resources are relatively the same. Hope that answers your question. Hey, folks, appreciate you joining us. We'll check it out. We'll try to be a little briefer. I know I say that every time. Going a little long here. We'll get into more ACC football and beyond. Break down that conference in the draft and go into a little bit more depth along those lines. Appreciate you joining us. Remember to check out the great folks at 401k Generation. Eddie Rojas and his team of finance professionals. Uh, at one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine, give them a call, give them a text. License in all fifty states, and make sure you sign up for Landry Footballs, uh, LandryFootball.com. Uh, the complete breakdowns, but certainly um, not just of the draft. All the recruiting breakdowns that we're going to focus on this summer. All the personnel breakdowns the college and NFL teams, you want to be here for that. So check us out over there. Check out Eddie Rojas and his team at 401K Generation at 1-866-998-5879. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody, and check you out over on the Pro Football Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.